If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Inwardly, they live like the world, and they don't follow Christ. A lie of adultery is what most Americans live, Lord God. The lives of idolatry Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's a beautiful August day in Dallas, Texas. A little hot, but we thank the Lord that we get to come into the house of the Lord today and uh, hear and speak His Word. So thankful to God that we're able to be here. Um, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, service prayer, and um, we'll get ready for our service and our chapter and, or our study today. Lord, thank you. For bringing us here today and thank you Lord God that uh, we know Lord God that we have people listening to this service this sermon in a lot of different places Lord God and we thank you Lord God for all of us being able to gather in this country in freedom as of right now Lord that we still have our choice Lord that the government doesn't tell us how we have to do things yet Lord and our any supernatural overpowerful religious source doesn't have to tell us how to do things lord we just get to come freely and read your word just read your word and just simply as we want to read your word lord as much as we want to or as little as we want to lord god you give us that freedom you give us that choice and so lord we just pray that you would uh, bless this time lord god and bless this service and pray that you would uh, draw us nearer and closer unto you Draw us near and closer unto you. Ask for your provision today, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon this room today. Lord God, in an awesome and mighty way. That your Holy Spirit would just fill us, Lord, and teach us and help us to learn and help us to grow. And I pray you'd both convict us, Lord, and also build us up. And we are your children, Lord God. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. Ask that you keep the enemy out, Lord. Keep him out of our minds and keep him out of this place. And we ask all these things and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, that's where we'll be today. Matthew chapter 9. We'll be in verses 35 through 38. 
It's actually the last closing verses of my New King James Version Bible. If you have a different version of the Bible, you can also read along, but the words might be changed just a little bit, but they say the same thing. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. I'm going to read them, and then we will study them. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So our title of today's message is the love of Christ. What have I been preaching on weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end? But the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. We started with Matthew 1, chapter 1, and we're Matthew 9, ending at 38. We'll start a new chapter next week. And what have I been preaching? Almost like a broken record. I feel like I've been preaching on the love of Christ. Everybody always wants to make a huge deal, and I do too, about how Christ Jesus loved us so much that he died for us on a cross so that he could set us free from our sins. But so overlooked, and I don't think I've ever heard it taught before, was that Jesus also didn't just show us his love by his death on the cross for us, but he showed us his love by the life that he lived for us. And that is something that as we've been going through Matthew, God has really shown me that Christ didn't just love us at his death he loved us throughout his life and as we'll see today in the scripture we're going to study today he gave his life as a ransom for many and that he did that while he was alive and he did that while he was dead too we need to recap today since this whole sermon is going to be about the love of christ what is real biblical love what does the bible say what is the definition of real biblical love well In essence, there is a definition for the word love in the Bible. And since the New Testament is Greek and it has four types of love, and there's four different types of love, it's still love. But God's, in essence, his heart of love is John 3.16. Because love is not just a fancy word to God. Love is an action. And in its like manner in our lives today, if we tell somebody we love them, but then do things we hate, do things they hate, then we don't really love them. And if we tell people we love them and we don't spend any time with them, then we really don't love them. We're just saying some nice fancy words. And we, we know that we're loved by what the person that says they love us does for us. How they show us their love for us. For instance, John 3.16, God's definition of love. For God so loved the world so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Notice God so loved and that love caused him to do something. He so loved the world, so he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. Always remember, true love, even in our human terms, is always a verb. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's an action. 
Today we get to see God's love again for us through Christ Jesus and what he did for us in a very powerful way. What he does today just blows my mind. Recapping what I said last week, we looked last week at how Jesus, from the time he got baptized by John almost to up to the point that we looked at, that multitudes were constantly pulling at him, constantly making requests of him, constantly coming to him, constantly coming at him with questions and concerns, constantly going at him and drawing him away and, hey, can you come and do this for me? And you come and do that for me? And Jesus, so willing to go almost every single place everybody asked him to go and willfully went, you know, went with them and loved them and went with them and healed them or, or took care of their needs or whatever they were needing, Jesus did that. We looked at that from, from Matthew 3 or 4 where Jesus got baptized by John all the way to Matthew chapter 9. So on top of all that, as busy as he was, and if you weren't here for last week, you can catch the sermon online. But you can get that detailed run out of what that said, what I said. But as after he did all that, going here, going there, Jesus was a tired Jesus. He was tired often. And on top of all that, we have verse 35 here today. And we'll read verse 35 over again. Then Jesus went about. So you could say, then after Jesus was just crazy busy, and you thought, well, I could, he could really use a rest, and He's really tired, and he's just done all these crazy things and been all over the countryside and been to different countries. Then Jesus rested. Oh, no. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So then Jesus just didn't rest from doing all that stuff. Jesus went again to preach God's kingdom. He went out again to do more things that God told him to do. We see this campaign where he goes and he teaches in synagogues, preaches the word, he heals every sickness and every disease among all the people. And he goes throughout all the cities and villages. One important thing that God showed me in the service, how we really see the love of Christ, is the location of where he did these, this campaign. Where did he go where he was healing the, sickness, the sicknesses of people and every disease and preaching the kingdom of God. Where, what area, what region was he in? Well, if you go to Matthew 9.1, just back up a little bit, it's the last recorded place where we see that Jesus was before he started this campaign here. And we see love even in Matthew 9.1, even in the area that he carried this. And it says, So Jesus got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own country. Remember, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. So Jesus' own country was Nazareth. Why do we see the love of Christ in him doing all this campaign in Nazareth? To see why, to see the love of Christ, we have to go to Mark 6. So if you guys want to turn to Mark 6, because it's important to know what Jesus went through before he went out on this campaign doing all these things that he did. In case you're wondering, Mark 6, 1 through 6, is a parallel to Matthew 9, 1. Uh, Mark doesn't get all the details that Matthew does, and Matthew doesn't get all the details that Mark does. But they're parallel. And if, as we read it, as we read Mark 6, 1 through 6, you'll kind of see Matthew 9 in that. 
So join me. Let's read Mark 6, 1 through 6, and we'll see what I'm, what I'm saying here. Then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country. Remember what I said, Matthew 9, 1. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many were hearing him and astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Back to Matthew 9, just in your mind, what did we read? What does what 9.35 say? Mark 6, 6. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching. So they parallel. How do we see the love of Christ go into all these villages and all these cities and all these towns? Well, Jesus was in Nazareth, Nazareth, his own country. And what happened in his own country? He went into the synagogue to preach the word of God, to teach people about God's kingdom. And what did they do? They shot him down. Now, this might have been the very synagogue that he went to as a young boy growing up. One of them. There were generally more synagogues than one per town and per village and per city. This might have been one of the synagogues that Jesus grew up in. In Jesus' day, the towns, the villages, the cities, the areas, they were all like huge extended families. I know that's kind of weird for us Americans today because... We live in huge cities and we have millions of people all around us and we hardly know our next door neighbor. But in Jesus' day, all their people in their towns and their villages and their cities, they were all very close together. So, the people that really rejected him in Mark 6, right before the campaign, look back to Mark 4, Mark 6, 4. Then he said that I'm a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house so those that rejected him were probably cousins nieces nephews uncles maybe even family friends think about that to this day you're trying to do something and you got an exciting idea that you got and you you think it'll work and you're really inspired about that idea and so what do you do at first you don't just keep it to yourself what do you do you go right away to the people that you love the most your mom your dad your girlfriend your wife your husband your sister your brother your grandmother and you hey grandma mom look what i want to do and exciting look at look at this idea that i've got and then as she hears you she says or he says Ah, what are you talking about, man? Come on, son. Grandson, you know what? That's a waste of time. Don't, you know what? In fact, you're not smart enough really to do that. Just, just don't bother to waste your time. You're going to waste your money. It's just a big waste of time. 
How, does that, how would you think that that would make you feel? Think about that. When somebody that you believed in, somebody that you thought was going to help you, somebody that you thought would, would really loved you and they really supported you, and then you go to that person that loves you, you think that loves you, they think that supports you, and then they reject you. What does that do to you? What does that do? Most people just quit. Well, if, if he doesn't believe in me or, or if she doesn't believe in me, well, then I quit. I, I give up. I, I guess if, if they're not on board with me, I, I, I'm just not going to do it. I quit. One time in my life, a year or so ago, I had that happen to me where I was falsely accused by another brother in Christ. He falsely accused me. And he said things against me that were not true. And I went to the people I loved and the people I respected of my own family and my own brothers and sisters with me at that particular place I was at. And they were all supportive at first. But then as a little time went on and there was like a line drawn, my really good friends, not my family per se, but my really good friends, they turned away from me. And they said, no, you, you know, I know you're right, but we're not going to side with you. We're going to side with this other entity. We're going to side with this other partner, this other person. It crushed me. It crushed me. I was devastated because these are my closest people in the Lord that I loved with all my heart. And they knew I was right, and yet they still didn't support me. They still didn't side with me. It crushed me. It devastated me. And it almost made me quit. Until I met somebody and until I kept praying and the Lord helped me and He built me up and the Lord used this other brother to come into my life that encouraged me and through my family encouraged me. But if it weren't for these critical things that had happened after this crushing blow, I would have quit. So I know how Jesus felt here to go into His synagogue with this message of the good news of God's kingdom. Oh, what? who is this? Who is this? This, this? this is just son of a carpenter. What? We know all this family. And they disbelieved in him. They disbelieved in him. On the streets, this church has a street ministry team. It's called Christ to the Streets. And we go out almost every Friday night. And we preach Christ on the streets. And we walk around person to person to person. Hey, man, you know, would you have a few minutes to talk about Jesus? Or, hey, man, you know, i got some good news for you. Let me give you a gospel track. You know, here, God loves you. Can we talk about Jesus? And time after time after time after time after time, again, people reject. People don't want to hear. Get away from me with that business, man. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. We get a few that'll listen. We get a few that'll respond, a few that'll have a conversation with us about the Lord. And the, for those few and for them all, either way, it's hard to keep going out week after week after week after week and have people reject you. On the ministry side, as people keep rejecting you and they don't want to hear you, it really wears on you. And it's really hard to keep preaching. It's really hard to keep going because of the hardness of the people that we try to go talk to. So, how do I see the love of Christ in this section? Break it down. Jesus didn't give up on all of mankind 
just because people he was close with, that he loved, were his special neighbors, his special friends, his special relatives. They rejected him. But he didn't give up on all of humanity because they refused to believe in him. Jesus' love for mankind was greater than a few people, even a whole city and his family, that rejected him. That is the love of Christ. John 1, 10 through 11, the word says, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, on a bigger spectrum of things, to not be unbiblical in that section, as a whole, John is writing about the whole of the Jewish nation of Israel. They rejected Jesus as Messiah. But, according to today's scripture, Jesus went to his own, his own kinfolk, his own family, his own relatives, and they did not receive him. So even though he had that happen, Jesus didn't give up. He continued to serve God in the ministry of redeeming mankind from, the, from sin's death grip upon us. He gave up his life as a ransom for all, so that those that wanted to have a relationship with him could. So you can say it like this. Jesus just didn't pay for our sins by his death on the cross so we could be saved and go to heaven and be with him. But he also lived his life for us and held intimate relationships with people that wanted to be with him. And that goes for us now as well too. But we see that all throughout what Jesus did to his ministry. He had intimate relationships with those that wanted to be with him, the 12 disciples. They wanted to be with him. Now, as if that wasn't enough of the love of Christ, as if that wasn't enough that we just saw there of the love of Christ, that's just the first verse. I think, I don't know about you, that Christ showed enough love in that section, that one verse, but believe it or not, there's so much more how God shows us his love in this section of Scripture Start verse 36 with me. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. The multitudes. The same ones that were constantly pulling at him. The same ones that were constantly wanting things from him. The same ones that were constantly coming to him and constantly badgering him with this and that. Jesus, come to this place and heal my daughter. Jesus, please, I, I bow down. I, I worship you, but please, I, I need this illness. The woman with the flow of blood. Jairus' daughter. The two blind men. The mute man. It, it, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. All those people came in the midst of the multitudes that were there around Jesus. So here we have more multitudes in Matthew 9.36. So, if that was me... I can just say this from a personal standpoint, and if that was me, just went throughout all these cities and villages, ministered to all these people, thousands of people, always wanting stuff from me, I gave my all for them. Here's what, how it would sound from Ed's perspective from verse 35. So you could read verse 35. But when Ed saw the multitudes, he was so exhausted that I needed a break. So I had to get alone by myself 
and get away from all these people because all they want is my money. All they want are my miracles. All they want are my things. All they want is me to do something from them. I want my own space, folks. I need a break. I need to get away by myself, take a relaxing little trip, and get away. I, I'm tired. But what does Jesus say here? Jesus says in verse 36, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Me? I'd expect Christ to say, hey, enough's enough. Enough is enough. I'm tired. I'm taking a break. Jesus says, I gotta do more for them. He was moved with compassion because they were weary, tired, scattered, and like sheep having no shepherd. He was concerned for them and their needs, not his own needs. Notice, he was concerned about their needs and not his own. And as always, we see Jesus live his teachings. He was not a hypocrite. He tells his disciples in Mark 10, 42 through, uh, 42 through 45, but Jesus called them to himself. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be, become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many Paul writes to the Christians in the book of Philippians, in Philippians 2, 5-7. through He tells Christians, because a Christian is a follower of Christ, so he tells Christians in Philippians 2, 5-7, through Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. No, notice it was his mindset. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Notice that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Notice that although he was in the form of God, he didn't consider it robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no value. He made himself of no importance. Now, I don't know about you, but with mankind, because I see our hearts, whenever any person is, has an exalted position above others, what do I see? But I see that man lords it over those that are on him. Look at, look at how important I am. Look at how valuable I am as an asset to the company. Look at how important I am to this world. It's all pride. Yet Jesus Christ, humble of all humbleness, did not even lord it over us that he was God, but yet he made himself of nothing. And he took the form of a bondservant, and he came in the likeness of men. Isn't Christ amazing, amen? That he would do all that? Wow. Moving on. Remember that earlier we spoke of the biblical definition of love? We see it here in verses 37 and 38. Verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, 
The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what does real love do? What, did, what was the real biblical definition of love? Love brings action. The love of God brings action. Jesus looks out. He sees these multitudes are really in need of looking here more than just himself to minister to them. Because after all, Jesus was only one man. He sees the multitude's needs. And what does he do? He tells his disciples to pray for him. Oh, were you sleeping? No, he didn't. He tells his disciples to pray, to ask God to send more people into the midst of all these peoples to help them come to know God more. Paul writes with the same spirit in Romans 10, 14 and 15. He says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how, the, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So why did Jesus ask the disciples as well as to pray for more laborers to go out and tell people about God's kingdom? Because of 2 Peter 3.9. For God is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He saw the need of the people. They need to know God. We need more people to tell them about God because there's so many multitudes of people. And although Jesus was God and is God, Jesus still as one man could only minister to so many people at one time. We have the Bible recording in the New Testament how many times people were pressing on him. They were pressing on him and they were trying to touch him just so they could get a miracle. Well, okay, so that would be the first three or four or five. How about the second layer of three or four or five? And as the circle gets bitter, and imagine that out to a thousand people. Imagine that out to five thousand people. Well, the guy in the end, he's about a city away, that five thousandth person, and he's about a city away. He's never going to touch Jesus. So Jesus has more, so much compassion and so much love that he even realizing, I can never minister to these people in my fleshly form, so I need more people to help them. I need more people to go out and serve them. Can you see the love of Christ in this whole section? Can you see it? He didn't just live his, he didn't just die on the cross. He lived his life for us. So one last point. Jesus tells his disciples to pray to God for the needs of the people. He could have told them to pray for anything. Remember, by now Jesus was tired. He was run down. Jesus had every right to ask his disciples, Hey, I need some prayer, guys. I need some prayer. Can you pray for me? How many times I'm a Christian and I love my Christian brothers and sisters and, I, and we're tired and we're weary. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, I've been going all week long. Would you please pray for me? Because I, I need God to give me some strength to help me get through this difficult time I'm going through. Or, or you know, to give me some energy, to give me some strength. Because, man, I'm, I'm real tired. Jesus didn't do that. He could have even stopped, like I said earlier, and just gone away and left. 
and done whatever he wanted to. He could have gone up on the mountain to pray and pray for himself, but he didn't. Because his love is extravagant. And he holds others' thoughts, he holds others' needs above his own. Isn't that amazing? If you can't see the love of Christ in this section, wow. So now, you know, everybody only ever looks at the love of Christ. That's where it sits, Ed. That's it, the love of Christ. That's, that's all we need. We know that God loves us. We know that, you know, that God is there. We know that, you know, he loves us. He's done everything for us. Well, from God's perspective, that's awesome. The love of Christ from God's perspective is awesome. But unfortunately, that's not where we can leave it. Because although God has done everything for us, that doesn't mean the book is closed. That means that God did everything for us. What's our response to that? So what is your response to the life that Christ lived for you? To the death that up until even unthrough, the death that Christ died for you. God's done his part. Have you done your part today? Have you done your part in your life? If a young man really, really has feelings and affection for a young lady, if that young man walks up to that young lady and gives her roses, offers to take her out to dinner, offers to take her out, you know, to some Starbucks and get something to drink and have a date, that's awesome. But the young lady still has to say yes. The young lady still has to say, I'll accept that invitation. If the young man only wanted to be with the young lady, but the young lady never said yes, then that wouldn't be a relationship. So God can pour out his love to you your whole life. From the moment that you're born to the day that you die. And you can just think that love is so nice and oh, it's so cute. It's the love of a puppy dog. But if you don't ever respond to that love and you don't ever get up and respond to that love, then that love does you absolutely no good whatsoever. Remember. Jesus just didn't die to pay for your sins on the cross so that we could go to heaven and everything would be great. He lived his life for you, and he held intimate relationships then with all his disciples. And since Jesus is God, and the Bible says that God doesn't change, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that means Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So Jesus Christ is still saying, I want relationships with people just like he had relationships with people in the New Testament. So that's what God wants from you. Same for us today. He just doesn't want us after we're dead. He wants an intimate relationship while we're alive right now. And he showed it to us by example. So God, your Heavenly Father, is showing that he loves you, and he's interested in having an intimate relationship with you. Are you responding to that love that Christ is showing to you every day by giving you the breath in your lungs? By giving you the life that's in your very body, are you responding to the love that Christ showed for you in his word? Are you showing him that you're interested in him? Can you say yes 
Or can you say no? Think to yourself, are you showing him that you love him every day by your actions, not just by your words? Do you say that you love God, but then don't hang out with him? Don't obey his word? Do you say yes? I, I do it, Pastor Ed. I am interested in Christ, and I do show him that I love him. Then you can say that you're spending time with him every day. You're talking to him and listening to him and obeying him. But you say, Pastor Ed, I've never heard God's audible voice. How do I know what God sounds like? I, sure, I can talk to God, and we call that prayer. And hey, amen, amen, that's awesome that we pray, that we have that capability to pray. But how do we listen to God? Because God wants relationship with people. A relationship takes, takes one to talk, one to listen, and then one to talk back, and the other one to listen. If one just talks and the other just listens or doesn't respond at all, that's not really a relationship. It takes two to have a relationship. So how do we hear from God? How, do you, how are you hearing from God? How can we say, I hear from God? Well, the Bible says that it, the written word of God, is God's audible voice to how we listen to God. Are you talking to God? Are you talking to Christ? Are you talking to Him? Are you listening to Him? And of course, are you meditating on His Word? Does His Word mean anything to you? God speaks through His written Word. If you are in a relationship with Christ, you are not only speaking to Him, and you're not only listening to Him, but you're also finding out the things that are important to Him, and that He tells you to do, and you're doing those things. You're also hearing the things that he says don't do, and you're avoiding those things not to do. If God hated broccoli, and all you ever did every day was bring God broccoli, and yes, you heard me right, God does have loves, but he also does have hates. He's not going to accept what you bring him if you bring him something he dislikes. And one thing that God hates, and the Bible says, is sin. Are you bringing sin to God every day? Or are you showing Him you love Him by the way you live for Him? Listening to Him, talking to Him, and abiding by what He says because you love Him. You've made that decision. Then praise God. Praise God. Keep getting in that Word. Keep listening. Keep talking. Keep abiding. Praise God. But you can sit here today and you can say, you know, Pastor Ed, I'll be honest with myself right now. And I'm not showing God that I'm interested in him every day. I'm just not. You know, I don't ever, hardly ever get in the word of God. And, you know, I hardly ever talk to him. And, and definitely I, I, I can't even tell you what, what I can't even tell you what God says that he wants me to do. You know, I, I don't even know what God's charges are to me. I don't know what his commands are to me. In fact, I don't hardly ever read the word, so I don't even know what God says, how I'm supposed to live my life. Well, then I'm here to tell you right now that if you don't know what God says on how to be right with him, you certainly can't be right. Because if you're not doing the things that he loves, how do you know you're not doing the things that he hates? So, today, I could, you could say, that's me, Pastor Ed. I, I'm not showing God I love him. 
then the Bible says that today you can repent. And you can start, you can turn from your selfish, disobedient ways, and you can start practicing the things that we just talked about. You can start tangibly today listening to Christ by getting in His Word every day. You can start tangibly by a prayer on your face when you go home, or if you're home, falling down on your knees when you're home, and just saying, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been living for you. I haven't been listening to you. I haven't been talking to you. And you can repent. You can turn to Christ. You can turn your stubborn and your rebellious ways to Christ and away from yourself and your selfishness. And I live my life for me because if you're not spending time with God, then you're really, you're using your time for yourself. And the Bible says that God is a jealous God. And he doesn't want just a piece of you. God wants all of you. So I ask you today, please take a step of repentance. Turn away from your selfish, rebellious lifestyle and turn to Christ and start showing him that you are interested in him and who he is. Tangibly today again, get in the word of God and listen to him. Get in the word of God and listen to what God has to tell you. Get in that word. Get alone often and speak with Jesus Christ. And then as you start speaking with him and as you start listening to him, then the Bible says that we should ask God, what's your will? God, show me your will for my life. And then cry out to God and ask him, God, what is your will for my life? And find out and read and study. Find out what God's will is for your life. And make it your aim in your life to do it. To do the will of God. For Jesus said, it's only those that do the will of the Father that shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's not works. I can tell you why. <clears throat> because today, if you are not interested in spending time with God and with Jesus Christ, if you're not interested in obeying Him now, and you're not interested in His Word, and you're not interested in talking to Him, and you're not interested in having a relationship with Him now, on this measly little, let's say you live to 120. What is 120 years in the span of a million years? What's 120 years in the span of 10 million years? And then take that 10 million years, because the Bible says that after you die, you're in eternity. Which has no time. It's forever. So 10 million years times 10 million years times 10 million years times 10 million years, on and 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 on again. Forever. And if you're not interested in spending time with God now, if you're not interested in abiding in Him now, if you're not interested in listening to Him and talking to Him now in this measly old little 120 years, why in the world would you want to spend time with God for eternity? When you don't want to give him the time of day now. Because heaven is only for those, not that just want to be in heaven because, oh, I really don't want to go to hell. But heaven is for those people that really love God. That want to be with Jesus Christ. We only want to go there. A real child of God only wants to go to heaven because Jesus is there. But if you don't want to spend time with him now. And why in the world would you want to spend your eternity with him? And God knows that. Because God knows your heart. So please, 
God loves you so much. Respond to that love and turn to Him today. And make Him important in your life. If you realize He hasn't been that important to me right now, make Him important to you right now, this very day. And turn away from your selfishness and your wickedness. Would you play with me, please? Thank you so much, God, for this day. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much to God that you have done everything for us, Lord. You've done everything to show us how much you love us. And Lord, as you put on my heart today, excuse me, Lord, you didn't just live and die and die on that cross for our sins and then so we could go to heaven, Lord. You lived your life for us, Lord Jesus. You lived your life tangibly to show us how much you loved us. You lived your life and you showed us that you want to be intimate with us. God, I just pray, Lord God, that for those that are out there that are listening, that can say, I make God important to me every day. I love Jesus. And yes, I show him that I love him by my actions. I stay away from the things that God hates. I'm seeking the things that God wants. I love Jesus. I'm spending time with him. I'm spending time in his work. And and I am. Amen. And praise you, God, for those people. I pray that they will continue. And I pray that they will continue to seek your face. As in a marriage, I can't just love my wife one day. If I'm married for 50 years, i got to love her every day. And i got to show her I love her every day, Lord. You show us you love us every day, Lord. I pray that those people that are listening would show you they love you in action, not just by word, every day, Lord Jesus. Not just one day. I pray that they show you they loved you every day from now on out to the rest of eternity. And Lord, for those out there right now that are listening that are not abiding in you, they're not making you important to them every day. They're not spending time with you. They're not getting in your word. They're not living for you. In fact, they don't even know what your word says about what the things that you dislike. And they really don't even know your will for their lives. They really don't even know your will, how you want them to live. Lord, they can't be living those ways if they don't know them. So I pray right now, Lord God, that that person right now would start making you important. That they would start showing you that you mean something to them. I pray, Lord God, that they would start seeking your face today. Getting in your word. Praying and talking to you. Finding out intently the things that you told us to do in our lives. And making it the aim of their lives to do those things. To be intimate with you every day. To be seeking you every day. I just pray, Lord God, that they would turn to you before it's too late for them. Because, Lord, if they can't show you how much they love you now, if they can't show you that you're important to them now, then that must mean that they don't want to spend time with you now. And then you know then, well, they really don't want to be with me forever then. Break their hearts, Lord, and bring them to repentance. Bring them to Christ. I pray that they would realize their error today, and they would turn to you. And I ask all these things, dear God, in Jesus' mighty and holy and precious name. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. 
It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today, as one life will soon be passed, and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry, or contact us for prayer, or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.